The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Each of the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tells the good news of Jesus through his own perspective. Broadly speaking, we could say that for Mark, Jesus was a miracle worker. For Luke, Jesus was a prophet. For John, Jesus was the Word made flesh. And for Matthew, whose gospel is our focus this liturgical year, Jesus was a new Moses, a new lawgiver. Just as Moses gave the people God's law, the Ten Commandments, written on stone tablets, so Jesus gives us a new law, which to be written on our hearts. The double commandment to love God and neighbor. Throughout Matthew's gospel, we will see this tension between the law of Moses and the new law of Jesus. In fact, we can gain important insight into today's gospel story about Joseph if we see it through the lens of Joseph struggling with what the written law says to do and what he in his heart senses is the loving thing to do. We read, when Mary had been engaged to Joseph but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, we must be aware that being engaged in those days 
involved the signing of a legal document between the parents of the prospective bride and groom. And that legal engagement could only be dissolved by a legal divorce. Moreover, Jewish law considered sexual intercourse by an engaged woman to be adultery, punishable by stoning the woman to death. That Mary would become pregnant while she was engaged was a serious breach of the Jewish law, and if made public, would be a scandal of high order. Now, Matthew tells us that Joseph is a righteous man, meaning that he obeys the Jewish law, which required that he divorce the pregnant Mary. Joseph decides to do this, but he doesn't want to expose Mary to a public divorce and its consequences. Therefore, he decides to divorce her privately. Theologian John Shea has some wonderful insight into the story of Joseph. I'd like to quote him at some length. Dr. Shea writes, Joseph is trying to save as much of Mary's honor as possible. He is not holding Mary in her shame. He is trying to mitigate it. He is trying to respect the person and yet not undercut the purposes of the law. Of course, this struggle will be an ongoing tension of Jesus' ministry. He will declare that the center of the law is love of God and love of neighbor. That center should flow through and interpret every particular law and how it is applied. But this is creative activity and difficult work. Joseph the carpenter is at work here trying to build a response of love in a world of law. This man is an appropriate legal father for the child Jesus who will grow up and say the law should be fulfilled and with almost the same breath say, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The paradox is established. To fulfill the law, you have to go beyond it. Joseph never gets to carry out his righteous plan of quiet divorce. An angel appears to him in a dream and introduces a new plan. Now, in St. Matthew's story of the wise men and the star, remember that Herod the king has to consult scripture and priests to find out what God is doing. But Joseph need only go to sleep to move beyond ordinary waking consciousness and enter deeper, into deeper regions of awareness open to him. In other words, Joseph has direct personal experience of divine intentions and activity. This fact establishes a tension between tradition and experience. What tradition labels scandal, 
Joseph is told to call spirit. Tradition says to divorce her. The dream experience says to take her into his home. Of course, this foreshadows the tension of all who will hear and be drawn to Jesus. Is Jesus a scandal to be rejected or a manifestation of spirit to be welcomed? The essence of the angelic communication is that a deeper divine plan is at work and Joseph is part of it. His role is to shelter Mary and name the child Jesus, which means God saves, for he will save his people from their sins. But Matthew also supplies for us the deeper reason why Jesus will save his people from their sins. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Forgiveness of sins is the effect of God's presence. Therefore, the people who will call him Emmanuel are those who, through him, have been liberated from the bondage of sin. Joseph wakes up. This means more than he arises from physical sleep. It means he now perceives the divine dimension of what is happening. Mary's condition is not scandal, but spirit. And so he takes her into his home. He embraces the truth of what is occurring and unites himself to it. And so must we, my friends. We, too, are being called to perceive the divine dimension of what is happening in our own time and place, embrace the truth of what is occurring, and unite ourselves to that living truth. For as one pastor notes, the birth, birth of Jesus was not just one and done, he is still Emmanuel, God with us. And he keeps appearing to us over and over again, even if we do not know it. South African author John Vandelaar notes, the name Emmanuel, God with us, is a profound and powerful statement of God's fervent desire to be in intimate communion with human beings. The challenge for us is to recognize God's presence in all situations and circumstances. We can doubt God's love in times of grief, pain, and trauma, but we find comfort, healing, and strength when we are able to experience God's with usness, even in such times. If all followers of Christ chose to operate from a place of love in whatever capacity we may engage in social and political structures, whether voting, volunteering, contributing, what have you, this could have a transforming impact 
on the systems that operate in our world. Such a policy of love would inevitably impact economic realities, climate change, conflict, health care, immigration, crime, exploitation, and human trafficking. A policy of love would inevitably impact all of these in positive ways because we could no longer remain uninvolved in the struggles of the world and we could no longer choose the methods of expediency and self-service in our responses to our world's need. The Advent challenge is for us to follow Christ in becoming individually and together Emmanuel in our broken world. The incarnation of God continues through Christians if we take Christ's call seriously. The key to experiencing Emmanuel again this Advent is to offer ourselves to be little Emmanuels in practical ways in our world. And I suggest to you, my friends, that this is what Joseph was doing when he put aside the outward law that said he must divorce Mary and instead listened to God's astonishing word being spoken in the depths of his heart. Because Joseph opened himself in all vulnerability to receiving that word of God, because he offered himself to be a little Emmanuel, the word became flesh in him as much as it did in Mary. If Mary's yes opened her womb to a divine conception that risked the possibility of her being rejected by her fiancé, her religion, her family, and her society, risked her being stoned to death, then Joseph's yes protected her from those dangers and gave that illegitimate child a legitimate home, a place in society, and a place in his own loving heart. If Mary's yes birthed Emmanuel into human flesh, then Joseph's yes brought Emmanuel to the outside world claiming him as his own son and naming him Jesus. God saves. God saves the world. As we approach the celebration of our Savior's birth, may we, like Mary, open ourselves to his birth in the very depths of our being. And may we, like Joseph, offers, offer ourselves to be Christ in the flesh to and for one another. Emmanuel to and for the world. Because, my friends, Christmas is not, nor was it ever meant to be, one and done.